please stand. Luke 11, 1 through 4. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Father, give us each day the food we need and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. You may be seated. Hello. Hey. All right. So we're ready. <laughs> Be ready in season, out of season, microphone on, microphone off. We're ready. Praise the Lord. I was just saying, um, I love that Kai was uh, reading scripture today. Lenny's in the choir, Karen and, and Jaylee doing their thing on the worship team. It's so good. I'm grateful that you're a church kid. So good. So good. Well, I, hey, my name is uh, Joe. I'm one of, the, uh, one of the pastors on staff here, if I haven't had a chance to meet you. Or maybe you're, you're tuning in today. I'm so thankful that you are with us today. Uh, we have a little one-off uh, message today. Uh, pastor came to me the other day and said, hey, I want you to speak. Uh, just speak on whatever's on your heart. And I've recently been on a dive just looking into prayer. And so buckle in, y'all. We're going to talk about prayer today. Who's excited? I'm excited. So right at the beginning of my message, before we start, I want to do just a, a quick little exercise with everybody in the room. Uh, grab your sermon guide, or if you're a note taker, grab, grab your note, paper. And I want you to do just, we're going to take a moment, and I want you to write down three things that you're praying about. And I really want you to take this moment, I want you to do that, because um, it's just a great practice to, to t- raise awareness of like what we're asking God for. And don't worry, I'm not going to call you out and we're not going to take a survey of what you're praying for, but just write those down. Like what what comes to mind when you're asking God uh, what you need? I'll let y'all finish up, but I just want you to think about while you're writing these down. how many of your prayers that you wrote down are something about the, in the future? Uh, maybe in a week or a month or maybe even a, a few years from now. Uh, what about your prayers are about controlling some sort of outcome or, or some sort of event or circumstance? What I really want to know is, is how many of you guys are praying for something today? Praying for something in this, in this very moment that we're in this, in this room. You know, I asked people this week that are in my life, what are some things you're praying for? Here's some of the answers. I'm praying for a husband. I'm praying for a wife. I'm praying for safety and security in my family. Or I'm also praying that I do not get lost in my first day of middle school. And I was like, man, it's, it's, we're spring break. We got still time left in elementary school, and you're worried about what's going to happen in, in middle school. You know, and all of those prayers are, are, are great prayers, uh, and, but they have this greater sense of the, this timeline, kind of outside of what Jesus instructed us what our prayer should be. And that is for us to give us the day 
the food that we need. In other translations, it would say our, our daily bread. What if God answered your prayer right now, sir? Your wife just appeared. You don't even know her. And this is the one? Her husband just shows up, and you're like, there he is. And you're like, uh, thanks, God. Like, you need time to build, the, like, a relationship. So I think what Jesus is instructing us is, is that we need to focus on this moment, praying for this. And this, and this is what we're doing. We're, we're going to focus on the fact that we should go to God daily, asking him and petitioning for what we need today. And so um, let me put it to you this way. The more you pray about today, the better you'll feel about tomorrow. But the more you pray about, tom- the more you pray about tomorrow, the worse you'll feel today. So I- I'm on this kick about reading about prayer, and I'm like, well, how do you pray? What types of prayers are there? Why should we pray? Does it even matter if we pray? Do I pray in Jesus' name, or can I say his name? What if I forget, did it even count? And so this is what I'm on. This is this track of reading these books. I feel like Indiana Jones trying to decipher some sort of hidden code or a hidden message between the lines about how do I pray. See, there are tons and tons of books filled about prayer. There are tons of books that talk about the the psychological aspects of communion with God, of contemplation, meditating, stillness, and silence. But, you know, honestly, the books I've read have said very little about petitioning God, about making requests to God, and expecting Him to answer. So today, I don't want to disappoint you right here at the beginning of my message, but I haven't found any new discoveries to share with you. I I can't tell you anything better than what Kai just read to us, and that is about the practice that Jesus told us to do, and that's to go to God, ask Him questions, and expect Him to answer. I'll read it to you again in Luke 11, 1 through 4. It's so short, we can read it again. This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May you give us each day the food we need. Forgive us our sins. Also forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield in temptation. Prayer, it means so many things to so many different people. But in the simplest, immediate, it means to ask for help. It's a soldier in the middle of combat saying, God, give me courage. It's your daughter on her soccer team going, let me win this game. Let me kick this field goal. Let me, let me score this goal. It's a mother tearfully begging God to give their newborn rest. And Jesus invites us to ask God for everything from daily bread to kingdom come, for ourselves and for each other. You know, the other night I was, had a conversation with a six-year-old little boy, and he was just really upset and really distraught. And I was just thinking, man, how can I tell him that he can talk to God? And I, I, I've been told that if you can explain it to a six-year-old, that means you understand it. And so I sat there, and I looked that little boy in the face, and I said, you know what? Prayer is asking God for help. Prayer is asking God for help. And so my heart today is that you would be stirred to ask God every day, for everyday things, that you would be stirred to ask God for everyday things every day, that you would grow in your ideal and concept of who God is, that, that what you believe that God to be true would line up with his character and his true nature, that your prayer habits would grow from something that believing God for big things and big dreams and crisis management to a daily conversation for your very breath 
and the food that you eat. See, one of the greatest theological conversations and questions that we have about prayer in our time of living today is, should we ask God if it's okay for a parking spot? Hey, God, can I have a parking spot? Like, people really debate this. Like, is that a silly request? Doesn't God have bigger things to worry about? What if I didn't get that parking space? Did I not pray hard enough? So, what do you think? Should we pray for parking spots or not? I think so. I think yes. I think that we should pray, God. I, I think that, it, it, that we should ask him, hey, God, you know what? It's raining. It's busy. It's Saturday. Give me a front row spot at Costco. Like, it's okay. It is okay. And do you know why? Because when we're a people that ask God to give us a parking spot, he's a God that answers that prayer. He's a God that answers that prayer. You know, and I bet there's theologians and quantum physicists that can enlighten us with some sort of algorithm that can say, hey, this would have happened or wouldn't happen, but I'm going to believe God for who he is. I want to not live a cynical life. I want to pray, God, it's raining. I don't want to walk in the rain. Give me the front row spot. I know this to be true in, in, in my life, and, and it would be true in your life, if that if you pray about small things in your life, you will live a life with greater gratitude. If you only pray about big, ugly, gnarly problems that seem so overwhelming and serious enough to ask for divine intervention, you will only experience miracles on occasion. But when you learn to pray about the trivial the small things like front row parking, daily bread, in a, in a country filled with fast food drive throughs that supersize a meal, you will start to notice minor miracles that are scattered around you every day. You know, one of the books I was reading, it was by an English guy, and, and he quotes William Templeton. He was an archbishop in the English church during the First and Second World War. He says this about prayer. He says, when I pray, coincidences happen. But when I stop praying, coincidences stop happening. So it's, it's by when we begin to ask more for lesser things that we discover or rediscover how to live this wide-eyed wonder life. This, this childlike faith that by filling our day with, with, with tiny prayers— we get rid of this sense of an entitlement. We, we get rid of this opportunity to, to, to say, God, you owe this to me. But we get to go to this place where we receive every moment as a blessing. Each coincidence is a miracle. It literally trains our brain in the words of Paul when he told the church at Thessalonica this, to always be joyful, to never stop praying, to be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I read this also this week. It says this. It says, miracle is just a word used for the, world, for the things that this world has deluded us to believing that God is unable to do. That the miracle is a label that the, that the world has taught us to believe that God isn't able to do something. But you know what? The miraculous is God being God. The, the miraculous is God acting in his nature. 
doing more than we can ever imagine. And so I want to recognize and, and, and celebrate the miraculous, and we should. But you know what? We should not be surprised when God does what only he can do. So, you know, when I preach, I always got to tell a story, right, about myself. <laughs> so in late December of 1998, I got a phone call from my mom, and it was about my dad. And he was in the hospital again. You see, this was a regular occurrence for my family. Uh, my father had been in and out of the hospital my, my teenage years through, through kidney disease, through a very severe workplace accident, several heart attacks. My father's health plagued us. It always had our family on guard from crisis to crisis to crisis. And so when I got that phone call from my mom, it was not out of the ordinary. I, I remember it something like this. Hey, Joe, your dad's back in the hospital. His blood pressure's weird, and, and he's running a fever. And I got off the phone with my dad, with my mom, and I said, okay, I'm going to go back to work. And I was just thinking, my dad wouldn't want me to miss work. It's no big, it's no big deal. And so a, a few days later, I get another phone call from, from my mom. And to be honest with you, she was hysterical. She was an absolute mess. And she told me, she's like, you need to come to the hospital right away. You know, and, and from the time that I had got the first call till I got in this call, many, many days had passed. And I still hadn't made it to see my dad. I was like, it's okay. I'll get there. It's no big deal. But when I got there, my father's health had failed to the point where he was in ICU care. And he was on full life support. Now, in, in a post-pandemic 43-year-old man that has been in many ICU rooms, seeing countless life-saving machines and, and people's lives being sustained by these machines. And, and some of you people in the room today, I've been in the hospital room with you. I've seen the equipment. I've heard the diagnosis. We've prayed to God. We've asked in Jesus' name and asked him to show up, to do amazing things within line with his character, believing that he would give life and restore order. But as a 19-year-old, far from God, with no hope, seeing the greatest man I'd ever known laying motionless except for this machine forcing and fighting for him to give him his very life, I felt totally lost. I felt all lost of hope. I felt all lost of words. I don't remember a lot from that time when my dad slipped to the other side of eternity. But I remember that loss I felt. I remember that I was barely able to muster a few words from this posture of begging God just to do something. I didn't even know what God was, a, was able or, or possible or capable to do in that moment. I just remember, God, just, just do something. I didn't know what else to say. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know that I could even ask God for help. And I think in that moment, the greatest problem with me wasn't that I didn't know how to pray. It's that I didn't know God. I didn't know God as a good father. I didn't know God as a provider, as a creator of life, as a worker of wonderful miracles, as a, as a, as a merciful God. I didn't know God that God could do miracles. And I definitely didn't think that I could just go to him and ask him to help. See, most people, their biggest problem with prayer is God. Most people envision God sitting with this angry face, always disapproving, always disappointing, needing to be persuaded or coerced. 
begging for action through our prayers. And honestly, if that's how you picture God today, as I did when I was 19, as disconnected, unrelatable, this master of the universe too busy and and too big for me, then I don't blame you that you see prayer as hard, difficult, or unavailable. This is where we make the turn, y'all. Y'all ready? But Jesus. Can somebody say, but Jesus? But Jesus. Jesus. That's right. But Jesus, he says something completely different. He makes it very clear to us in the parable of the prodigal son. It is that God, to whom we go to in prayer, is extraordinary kind. He's the father that comes running towards us with open arms flung wide. No ma- whenever we approach him, no matter whatever we've done, no matter where we've ever been, and no matter whatever we're going through, Jesus says to go, to run to him, and he'll be there for you. See, the, the Lord's Prayer, as Matthew 11, 1 through 4 is called, invites his, Jesus invites his disciples, he invites you, he invites me, to step into this intimacy level with God that I know personally, that I never thought could be imaginable. And that is to call God our Father. Jesus assures us that God, the creator of all things, keeper of life, is on our side and just in time. The deeper that we can receive our identity as a dearly loved child, the greater our desire will grow to spend time with our Father in prayer. I will tell you, you will tell you to, you will start to tell him everything. You'll dare to ask him for anything because you'll know. As Jesus said, our Father in heaven loves us and gives us good gifts when we ask him. Isn't that amazing? That God wants to bless us. That, that God is lovingly attending to your needs He's always pleased to see you. He's always pleased to hear from you. He always wants to hear the cries of your heart. You know, two of my kids are in middle school and they have cell phones. They go to the same school. Every day, Kai and Jaylee pull out their phones in the car rider line and race to call me first. They're standing next to each other, but they want to hear from me. They want to get to me first. They want to say, hey, Dad, are you in the car line? Hey, Dad, are you here first? Hey, Dad, when you, are you coming? Hey, Dad, we, we know you're on your way, but l- tell me you're on your way. God's the same way. You have a direct line to him. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. From the littlest things of the car rider line, are you coming to, I need help breathing today. Prayer in the, in the simplest form is asking God. It's how I explained it to a six-year-old. It's how I'm telling you. And it's also how most believers understand prayer. Non-believers understand that prayer is just talking to God. Uh, prayer comes from this Middle English word called pyron, which means to ask earnestly. And I believe that everyone, at one time or another, will have an opportunity to make an earnest prayer. There are no atheists when the plane's going down. When my dad was dying in a hospital, I tried very earnestly to talk to God about what I needed. But see, prayer is the most natural thing that we can do in this world. It's to ask God to land the plane safe, 
to heal someone, to guide us, to give forgiveness, provision, to offer protection, to even ask God for parking spots. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13, and in Matthew, I mean in Luke 11, Jesus lays the foundation for precise, personal, and practical requests. God our Father, give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. No, elsewhere, Jesus says, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. Even Jesus' own brother tells us that you have not because you ask not. You know, there's so many theologians and smart people that talk about prayer. You know, I got this quote written down. I'm not going to read it because it's really confusing. But basically, this really smart guy says, you can sit and you can think about prayer. You can think about the highs and the lows and the depths and all the opportunities to think about what God wants you to do in those moments. So much so you think about it, you don't even do it. Don't get lost in theology. Don't get lost in theory. Just ask God for help. The best advice I can give you for for prayer is this, is to keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. You got to keep it simple. It's the most simplest thing that you can do is talk to your father. Don't make it weird. It doesn't have to be intense. It doesn't have to be complicated. And keep it real. You know why? Because life hurts. When life hurts, you're tempted to want to pretend you're okay. When you fall, when you make mistakes, you're going to want to hide, and you're going to act like there's no big deal. We can think all the way back to the fall. When Adam and Eve, when they made their first mistake, they tried to clever themselves up. We do that when we go to pray. We, I'm good, God. Praise the Lord. I don't need anything. Be real. Be real. Keep it simple. Keep it real. And the last thing you want to do is you got to make sure you got to keep it up. You have to keep it up because life is tough. There are battles to fight. And we got to remember that God is not this algorithm that we get to solve or, or this mystical being that has some secret code that we have to decipher. No. It's a relationship that requires commitment no matter the circumstances. In Luke 11.3, Jesus tells us, give us each day the food that we need. The food that we need reminds us that God provided for the, for the, the Israelites in the Old Testament on a daily basis. That he provided the manna every day that was only fresh for that day. See, Jesus knew that, and he was trying to remind us that our prayer should be for this moment, in this moment, that we will be reminded of today's needs rather than tomorrow's wants. You know, there's nothing wrong with asking for a nicer car. There's nothing wrong with asking for a better job, a great spouse for yourself, or maybe for your kids. But but what it does is it, it puts our answers distant. It distances us from our relationship with God. It's, it's not just that we can't insist or inspect for God to give us unfailing streams of luxury. Daily bread is meant for daily bread. It's God's invitation to ask him for the basic things without any expectation or promise. You know, there's a story in, in, in Mark about Bartimaeus. He's a, a blind guy, and he starts, he knows that Jesus is coming, and, and he starts yelling through the crowd, like, son of David, heal me. Hey, can you help me, Jesus? I know you're close. And there's so much going on in the story, but in the, in the story, 
the crowd tells Bartimaeus to shut up. Know that there'll be people in your life that will tell you you can't pray about that. There'll be people in your life saying, why do you keep praying? Why do you keep asking God? Why do you keep going to God every day for the same things over and over and over and over? I love that Bartimaeus refused to be quiet. He quit calling out to Jesus. He didn't stop. He didn't allow what other people thought about him to say, I need Jesus. You know, when Jesus stopped and went over to him, Jesus could have healed Bartimaeus anyway. He could have in an instant just, you know, waved his hand. He could have just thought it and he would have been healed. But Jesus came over to Bartimaeus and he said, what do you want from me? Isn't that funny? A man that's been blind walks up to Jesus and Jesus is like, well, what do you want? It's an opportunity that God, Jesus, God, they want a relationship from you. They just don't come to you some overbearing, you didn't ask for this kind of movement. What do you need from me? What do you want from me? Barnabas says, I want to be healed. Jesus asks us to ask. He invites us to ask for our specific needs. Now listen, daily bread doesn't mean that you shouldn't expect miracles. I'm not saying that. Daily bread just means that you should bring your immediate and present need to him. So if today you're sick, ask for healing. If you're weary, ask for rest. If you're anxious, bring those thoughts to God and ask him to calm the storm. We must ask God every day for everyday things. I I was reading... uh, this, this other book, and there's a quote from Charles Spurgeon, the, the great preacher, and he says that asking is the rule of the kingdom. And he gives some great examples. God will bless Elijah to send rain on Israel, but Elijah had to pray. If chosen, the nation will prosper, but Samuel had to plead. The Jews will be delivered, but Daniel had to intercede. And God will bless Paul, and all the nations will be converted through them. But Paul must pray first. God even told Jesus, his own son, If you only ask, I will give you the nations as your inheritance, and the whole earth as your your possession. If God instructed Jesus to pray and to ask, I don't think we can be exempt from that same rule. That we have to ask too. That we can't expect that God just knows and he'll just do it. We, we can't be this, this faceless person in a crowd. We must go in invitation. God asks us to ask, to come with our daily petitions. And see, when we come to God with our daily petitions, we come in this place of vulnerability. We have to make requests to admit to ourselves, to admit to God that we have needs. This also extends an opportunity to trust God. Asking is an expression of our faith. It's a way of opening up our hearts and and believing God to receive in our hands what he has for us. It's in our vulnerability that we can build relationships and we can be with God in an intentional way. So I'm going to leave you with two quick thoughts as as we wrap up here. And it's this. Is that every day... When we go to God for the very breath that we have and the food that we eat requires us to be relational. In a relational way that we just can't wish. Think about like throwing a penny in a fountain as a kid. You go into the wishing well. You just leave it there and walk away. You may never even go back to that well ever again. That's not what Jesus wants from us. 
He wants us to have a relationship. He's interested in, in, in friendship more than he is d- d- dispensing blessings to random strangers. I think about like the woman with the issue of blood. Like She had the same issue every day for 12 years. And she could have said, I've been praying about this forever, and I'm finally in front of Jesus. I'm not going to ask him. She just touched him. And what did, he, what did he do? He turned around. Who touched me? Who was that? He went to her and was giving her the relationship that she needed and that she desired. Asking for a healing over 12 years is daily bread. Bartimaeus asking to be healed of his blindness is daily bread. Bartimaeus never would have met Jesus if he didn't ask to be healed. Jesus wants to heal us. He wants to help us. Most of all, he wants our heart. And this happens when we have a relationship with him. The other thing that it takes for us to to have prayer, daily bread prayers with with Jesus, with God, is, is to be intentional. And I mean by intentional, it means that we have to involve our will. We're not robots. We're not mindless creations in some sort of simulation. I know it's a thing. People think that, but that's simply not true. We're not powerless to go against the genetic code installed of us for our desires and our fleshly needs. We can, we can fight that. You know, but God respects you too much to overrun you. He's given you free will, not to force you, but to come to him in love. He comes where he's welcomed, and he answers when he's called. We're partners in God's creation. The Bible says that we're, we're, we're co-laborers. We, we, we have free will. So that means what? Because we have free will, things can change. We're free to ask God for blessings in any situation. As long as it aligns with his will, and we pray in our lives, God, your will be done, things can change. And prayer gives us an opportunity to influence God into action. You know, our prayers don't make God do something. You know why? Because he's God and we're not. But our prayers go to God and say, hey, Dad, I need this. Hey, Dad, I see you. I want you to help me. Hey, Dad. Hey. There are wonderful things that will happen when we ask for God to help. But there are unspeakable things that will arise if we do not align our wills with God and if we don't partner with him. Jesus, in another place, in John 15, 1, he tells us this, that he is the vine and you are the branches, and those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, but those apart from them will do and cannot do anything. God, I need to breathe today. God, I need to eat today. God, I need not to choke out my coworker. Whatever it is, you take it to God and you ask him. Daily bread is an instruction and an invitation from Jesus to talk to God, your father, on a daily basis. To ask God for everyday things every day. It's an invitation to connect your will to God's will so you may experience life. So, I'm going to close, and I'm going to do something, and I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward, because I want them to come now, because I want you to see them now, because here in a moment, we're going to invite you for prayer. So if you're on the prayer team, 
and you're in the room today, I'd love for you to come. And even if you're not scheduled and you're on the prayer team, you can come anyway too. It's, it's totally fine. I want, I want everybody that's on our prayer team to be available for people in the room. And, you know, if you're watching online, we want to pray and agree with you too. We may not be able to hold hands and touch, but you know what? You can pray right in your living room or wherever you're watching this. And, and people in the room today, I would encourage you, if there's something you need to ask God for, to come down. To, to ask one of our people on our prayer team to, to pray and uh, agree with you that God hears you, that his will be done in your life. And we're also, we're going to take communion. And communion, it, it, it's just an, uh, an invitation for believers, for followers of Jesus, to come and to remember what Jesus has done for us. And if you're not a believer today, I, I don't want you to, to take communion. But I would invite you to maybe talk to me or one of the pastors on staff or one of the people even on the prayer team to talk to them about what communion means. I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd, I'd love to, to help you maybe even start a relationship with Jesus. I want to read something to you. Um, Eugene Peterson says this about communion. Without communion, it is very easy to drift into a spirituality that is dominated by ideals about Jesus instead of re- receiving life from Jesus. Communion plainly says no. Communion puts Jesus in his place, dying on a cross, giving us a sacrificed life. It puts us on our place with open hands, receiving remission of sins for our salvation. Would you guys go ahead and stand up with me as uh, I pray for us? And if you're ready to take communion after I pray, you can feel free to move down. Or if you're ready to, to, to pray and agree that God hears you and he wants to help give you life or whatever your daily bread need is today, then our prayer team would be love to pray with you. Let me pray for us. God, I just thank you for this opportunity to be reminded that you are the giver of life. God, our very breath. God, this very moment, the food that we need, the air that we breathe. God, that you allow us through Jesus to come to you with every petition. And so, God, I pray for everyone in the room right now watching online, God. God, that they would be able to to believe in miracles. God, that you are good. God, that your will be done in their life. And so, God, I ask if there's anybody in the room or watching online that needs to ask you anything, that they would come and ask in Jesus' name. And that their will and your will would align and your will be done in their lives. Amen.